The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Now picture this, you step up to throw your first shot put in competition of an Olympic year and you throw a new indoor world record, 22.82 metres. It's not been a bad start for USA's Ryan Krauser, the reigning Olympic champion has packed into his pretty short career a lot of surprises from becoming Olympic champion just a few months after graduating from the University of Texas to taking part in one of the most exciting shot put events. Actually, just one of the most exciting events full stop at the World Championships in 2019. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about his 6,000 calorie a day diet, growing up in Oregon, and much, much more. So it's my pleasure to talk to him right now. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So let's talk about this ridiculously good start to the year, right? Is that Was that the plan? Does it, you know, is, is this what happens? Just, you know, like start life with a bang in 2021? Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh... I was just really happy to have the opportunity to compete again. I mean, with 2020, um, I mean, starting in March, it was felt like it was just watching the calendar and having meets melt away uh, and just not having the opportunities to compete. So it was I was just super excited to have a chance to compete locally at a high level meet there. in I train in Fayetteville. Uh, and so that was just a, a local meet for me. And so that was uh, I felt like a great opportunity. And training had been going well and I've been I've been really dedicated throughout 2020 uh and then into 2021 I felt like my training was going well we've had to improvise and adapt uh to to fit in where we're going to train and how we're going to train but we made it work and so I was just excited to have the opportunity to kind of showcase the the work that I put in I mean you definitely did showcase it, right? That is uh, it's, it's a pretty decent, you know, like it's it's one thing hoping to do something and it's another thing actually doing it. Did you actually think you could you could do that? Yeah, I, I knew it was possible. Um, training had been going well and I had had a really good late season go off at the end of 2020. I had, was consistently throwing 2260, 2270, uh, and had thrown my lifetime PR of 2291 outdoors uh, there in Atlanta. So I knew that I was in pretty good shape. And with all of the uncertainty, with facility access, uh, the possibility of getting COVID, which would then follow with uh, two-week quarantine, I decided to kind of just roll straight into training. Usually I would take a few weeks or a month off, um, but I only took not even a week off. Just because I was in good shape, I wanted to keep that rolling uh, and give myself almost a cushion to say if I did happen to get COVID and have to quarantine, uh, then that would almost be my two-week block of of off off season. And so, um, luckily, I've been been healthy and have not had to quarantine. Um, haven't got COVID yet, so really lucky on, in that aspect. But that set me up well uh, just to roll straight into training. And we went back into heavy training and I felt like I was training at the highest level I had been all fall and winter 
And so when I heard about the American Track League meets, I really just focused in and wanted to capitalize on on that opportunity. And that was the first local meet I've had a chance to do since shoot early early or mid 2019. So uh, it seems so so crazy. What? It's like madness, isn't it? Yeah. So that was, I feel like a key part because it's, it's a lot easier to throw far, uh, staying in your own bed, eating normal meals, uh, not being 2000 miles away from home in a hotel, eating hotel breakfast. Whenever I see that anyone's from Oregon, I, I get jealous. For any track and field fan, that particular state has a, you know, a, even for me from England, I, I'm sure lots of other people who love running and stuff like that are, are obsessed as me about that area. So, I mean, I wondered whether you were aware of that when you were growing up and, you know, do you get, is it kind of all in your blood, you know, track and field from, from your neck of the woods? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, uh, it, I almost got, I guess, a little bit spoiled growing up there. Cause you're, uh, going through high school. It's the state champs are at Hayward field. So, I mean, uh, that was, that's like the goal is making it, uh, but that's, just, that's like the baseline that you're used to. I mean, you're, you're, Oh boy, I get to compete at, at Hayward field there at university of Oregon for the state championships, uh, every year. And so, I mean, at the time it's, it's a big deal uh because it's the state championship and you're a high school athlete but looking back on it i mean those opportunities that's you're the only state that's that's doing that um so you kind of almost take it for granted a little bit i mean it seems it's obviously a big deal uh but you don't have anything to put it in perspective because as a as a high school athlete that's kind of all you all you know until you i went to college uh went to the university of texas and then looking back going back for ncas uh we're in eugene multiple times that it was really you kind of gain an appreciation for the for the level of the facility and the uh, the biggest thing is the knowledge of the fans there at Hayward Field. Um, they have unbelievable turnouts for the meets and they're so passionate, not only supporting University of Oregon athletes but just supporting track and field. They're passionate about the events, uh, knowledgeable about the level uh, of track and field that goes on there. And they support everyone. I mean, they're there to support support the best performances in the world, not just local athletes. So I, that's one reason I love competing there. And it feels like a homecoming every time I do. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you were an outstanding, like, young. I mean, you're not that old. But I mean, as a youngster, you were an outstanding athlete, right? You know, it must have been... Um, kind of crazy you you know how quickly everything happened and I, I mean you seem to just take it in your stride you know when you look but I bet there were ups and downs even if you know the kind of results page looks pretty sweet you know like the background is a lot of like hard work right so I mean what was the thinking about um you know leaving that amazing you know, why go to Texas when you've got such great facilities on your doorstep? What was the reason? Yeah. So for me, um, I, academics has always been a key part. Uh, my parents, just since I was young, have always put academics above athletics. And so coming out of high school, I was high school valedictorian um, for my high school. And so I went 
to and took a, uh, my my five official visits, and I felt like the the University of Texas was where I could accomplish what I wanted to, both academically and athletically. So uh, I love the love the track team and the track and field side of the University of Oregon, but they were a liberal arts school, and so. Uh, for me, being much more math and science based uh, when and wanting to study engineering, that's the main reason why I went to the University of Texas is that it fit my goals academically as well um, and felt like I could achieve both at, at a high level at the University of Texas. Um, so but it's a big decision, right? Like, you know, um, I think it's far away and it's different. Like it's, you know, it's not a different country, but it may as well be right. Like in terms of culture and, you know, just what people are into, like people are into different stuff from those parts of the world. Right. You know, so was it a bit of a culture shock for you when you arrived or did you just sink in to you know Texas living? Did you, you know, is that well, where you start? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a pretty easy move for me. I mean, um, extremely, regimented and busy uh being a f collegiate athlete in an engineering program i mean those are long days <laughs> right? uh, that's enough one of those things is okay like yeah. doing both of those things kind of crazy yeah and so i was just like laser beam focused as a freshman uh i mean i had like 12 14 hours of something going on uh five days a week and then still practice and got to catch up on schoolwork on the weekend so it was like I always felt like I was working two full-time jobs um I was pretty much I was doing something from 6 a.m until 7 30 p.m every single day like it, I had like 30 minutes for lunch and that was it and so it was almost too much to be uh too much like I I didn't get I moved almost 2,000 miles from home uh, but I didn't really get homesick because I was just so busy uh, that it kind of there wasn't really much culture shock or, or homesick or anything just because I was so busy and focused all the time. You know, it wasn't long after, you know, you graduated when you're at those uh, now famous Olympic you know, trials for you, it was, it was a big upset at the time. Um, and you, <laughs> you just like set the, basically set the, the style of what's going to happen next, basically at the, at those trials. I mean, you come out and you <laughs> lay down a throw that becomes the 18th longest in history at the US trials. I mean, that's pretty Hollywood. I mean, did you know that that was, that was in your like locker going into it? Are you like, you know what? Was it swag time or did, were you surprised? No, I, at, like if you would have asked me two or three months before, I would have been surprised. Uh, but the way my schedule worked out, so I was on that crazy college schedule. Um, I finished my undergrad and master's in five years. And so I graduated in May of 2016. And so it was, I was on just like full time, uh, go, go, go between track and school. And I felt like I was training really hard, but just the, for almost the full five years, I didn't feel like I was really living up to my potential because I was so stressed and tired from the classroom side of things. And so it was 
really after I graduated in May and I actually missed my college graduation for my master's to go to my first pro meet, which was Prefontaine. And it went pretty well, but I was just like exhausted. I had just finished finals uh, like a few days before. And um, so I went there and I competed against the top guys in the world there at Prefontaine. Then I did okay, but I was kind of disappointed with how well I threw. Uh, but being there and kind of mixing it up and no one really threw exceptionally well, especially in the early rounds, I was in there mixing it up. And then I went from there and moved to the Olympic Training Center and got to really train for the, for the first time as a full-time professional athlete uh, there, like the second, third week in May. And it felt like from May until the Olympic trials that I made like five, the five years worth of progress that I'd been missing. I'd been kind of building a foundation that whole time. But then as I was like, all right, I can actually do everything I want. I can eat the nutrition that I want and really structure my meals. I can have all the time to do uh, recovery, foam roll, stretch, cold tub, hot tub, all the stuff I've been wanting to do. Um, I'm not having to throw and then literally run out and get my shot put and run back to the ring to try to get all my throws in in 60 minutes. Uh, I can like take a breather and focus. So I felt like being able to do all the little things I'd wanted to do, but just couldn't because of time constraints made that huge difference. And it was like every practice I was throwing a new PR because I was able to do what I finally had been wanting to do and had built such a foundation to do that in the five years leading up to that. So picking up like your team USA, it's all like really fast. Apparently once you qualify for like the Olympic team, you're like, you get your bag with like loads of cool stuff and it's like it's all quite serious quite fast right and you know your life is like literally changing in front of your eyes like do do you remember much of that period between like you know between qualifying and then standing on the line kind of ready to compete in Rio yeah so it kind of goes at you pretty rapid fire um like you're you make the team and then like the next morning you're up early to go and get fitted. You try on everything and get all your gear. Uh, and then it's like you get all your stuff then sent to you um, after like they take all your sizes, fill out all the paperwork and then it just, and then it'll arrive. But it's kind of like you go rapid fire, get sizing all that. And then it's kind of like dead for a few weeks before then you head down to Rio. Um, so that it was like, craziness and then calm and then once you get into Rio it's like crazy again with uh just the whole being at the Olympics is uh between like just having family there training uh and really just the whole Olympic spirit is is difficult to explain to people that haven't been there um just seeing nearly every country in the world and athletes from all around the world there in the village uh and all of them at the really the best point in their careers training wise. So it's just a, a cool atmosphere to see. Uh, and then, um, but yeah, it was, so it, it felt like it was like a whirlwind and then unbelievably calm. And then a whirlwind there, especially for me being fresh out of college, uh, young first real international meet, having it be the Olympics um, was just a lot to take in. And so I went early, uh, did the opening ceremonies and outshot, was at the very end almost. I think the opening ceremonies, I think were August 3rd shot was August 18th. So I had almost two weeks there. Uh, so it was like, I did the opening ceremonies and it was such a surreal moment, but then it was 
back to training and just finding a rhythm of taking up for me, it was take the first bus to the athletic training facility, uh, get breakfast, hang out there, do my early lift, do my technical session. And then um, afternoon kind of recovery, make sure that uh, I was prepared for the next day. And I just kind of fell into that rhythm in the fifth, 13, 14 days in between really went pretty fast just because I was in that consistent rhythm. Once I was there, uh, just making sure my days still had structure. It's, it's so crazy to think. I'm, I'm good for you, I guess. That college rigor that you'd set yourself up for actually helped you once this whirlwind starts. You know, you're used to just like you're almost doing it automatic. You know, on automatic pilot, basically already, just like sort of sort of thing. And I think that paid dividends, right? Because you became Olympic champion. So whatever you did, it worked. You know, you're already able to beat the people in front of you, right? And you did by like in an incredible way. So, I mean, did you, did you feel like your life changed after that moment? Uh, it does to an, like, to an extent, it's difficult to say, like, I can see, cause a lot of athletes say they get like, they achieve their goal, whether it's like world record or Olympic. And then you wake up and you're like, depressed afterwards because you expect your life to change but like you still wake up the next morning and you're still the same person so um for me it wasn't I like I don't think I went in expecting my life to change it actually probably was more there was way more press around it than what I expected just because I mean as a tra as a shot putter you're not used to being like on a big stage or having so much attention so it was honestly, more than I expected there to be coming out as a college kid. It's like, yeah, uh, shop put is like paying for my school and stuff, but I'm, you're not popular because of it. Um, and so I hadn't been over to Europe to really compete, uh, on in pro level meets. So I didn't know how popular track was to begin with in Europe. And so, um, it was kind of just more of a surprise at, at the popularity afterwards. So, Doha, like the World Championships in 2019, I mean, it was one of the best, most exciting, uh, if not the most uh, exciting event to watch at the World Championships in terms of shocks and twists and turns. It was like Breaking Bad. It was like, you didn't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> so, um, yeah, could you... Take us through like how you, um, you know, it must have been fun to be part of that, such a, a, a fantastic competition. And I guess if you don't win yourself, like Joe Kovacs, who, who did win, you know, I guess yeah. it's like, well, if I don't win, I guess it's all right for Joe to win kind of thing, right? Yeah, and I mean, just to be involved in that competition, the highest level shot put competition of all time, um, and then, yeah, if you're going to lose, at least I lost to my teammate, uh, and couldn't have lost by any less. Uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, no, just a, an awesome competition to be a, yeah. Like afterwards, uh, talking to my dad, he's like, yeah, if you would, if you saw that in a movie and that was the script, you'd say that this, that was unrealistic, uh, seeing it scripted like that. So. Yeah, it was just almost like too close to call at that uh, with those throws. And it was just like rapid fire. I mean, Tom opened up big, but then me and Joe in the last rounds uh, both countered. And so it was 
Yeah, such extreme, uh, just high-level throwing. And it was a high-level competition start to finish. I mean, even if you take out the, the say, the top three, th- the 2291 and the two 2290s, uh, that was still, I can't, there was maybe five or six throws over the old world championship record. If you take out the top three, uh, so just the level was, was so high. So yeah, was, I was just super afterwards. I was just happy to have, I mean, I threw a lifetime best in that competition. Uh, so you can't really be disappointed if you, if you throw the best you've ever thrown and, and you don't win. I mean, you, you still have done better than you've ever, you're better that day than you'd ever been in your life. So you can't be too disappointed with that. And just the, the one final one about food. I can't let you go without you telling me a little bit about some food. You have to have a really strict diet in some ways, like all athletes do. But I think shot putters, you know, for anybody who is on a, a diet in quote unquote, it, you know, shot put seems like this amazing thing. So could you just say, you know, give us a flavor of what the kind of daily uh intake is is like for you yeah so i mean my average training uh i hang around five thousand calories uh and so i'll go when i'm in heavy lifting trying to gain weight i'll go up to six thousand and so yeah it's just pretty much eating try to go eat every two hours um so you're constantly you're not breaking your muscle down you're constantly gaining weight uh so if you ever feel hungry you're in that amount of time you're kind of you're losing weight so you never really want to feel hungry. And so that's what I think a lot of people misunderstand is that it's not, you don't get to eat whatever you want. You have to eat a structured diet every two hours. So you a never feel hungry, uh, which kind of gets miserable if anyone's ever ate until they're full. And then it's like, all right, now eat some more. And so it's doing that five times a day, seven days a week. So that's kind of the, the struggle of it. So it's people look at it and they're like, Oh, that must be so nice. And then I'm telling them like, so when you when you get eat and you get full, do you stop? And they're like, well, yeah. Why would you want to eat more than that? I was like, well, now you have to eat more. And they're like, well, no, that sounds terrible. I hate. I I wouldn't ever do that. And I was like, well, then, yeah. Now it doesn't sound quite so fun. But um, so it's it's the grass is always kind of greener on the other side. Like I look at my girlfriend who's a pole vaulter and she eats like hardly anything. So she'll have like a standard serving that might be three or four hundred calories of like some chicken and rice and it's like in a small bowl. And then I'm like, wow, I wish I could just eat that. And then she's like constantly like, not, I mean, she's really on a, she's very fit and on a, like, she's very content with her diet. She's not one that like wants to eat a ton, but she'll like have a a cheat and then have like a Snickers bar. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with just having a cheat meal and just not eating anything because that's like my break is taking a cheat meal and not eating anything. (laughs) it's crazy yeah it's be careful what you wish for well ryan i won't keep you any longer but thank you so much for uh all your insights there it's been a pleasure so uh yeah good luck with everything on this kind of you know tricky different but exciting year yeah well thank you i appreciate it olympic Olympic Channel channel podcast Massive thanks to Ryan. Go and follow him over at Instagram as R Krauser. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and we are just the Olympics across all social media. Big thanks to you for listening. Stay safe, stronger together, and see you very soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.